0: So tonight, I want to go back to what I was saying last Wednesday night. When I talked about, or excuse me, Gary taught last Wednesday night, so it would have been Sunday. I'm sorry. So I talked about the power of the Word of God, and it's the power of the Word that we possess as believers. So how many of you are beginning to understand or beginning to know in your heart that the Word that you have received from God the word that you have received from heaven is a very powerful thing that God hath enjoined unto you. And a lot of times when we talk about that word being joined to or enjoined to in the word of God, we're not sure the effect that it's having uh, on us in our minds because we don't understand what it really means to be enjoined to the word of God. But if I'm being baptized into Christ, being baptized into his body, then am I going from without to within? And the answer to that is yes. So every time I'm being baptized in the Word of God, I'm going from without to within. And we know that the revelation of the mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So if I'm getting baptized into the body of Christ or into the thoughts of Jesus Christ, then I am putting on Christ. And the mind of Christ then is becoming my mind. I'm becoming one with it or enjoined to it. So we've heard a lot of conversation in the last several weeks about joining yourself uh, to the Word of God. Joining yourself, like the example that's been given is how the elders' wives are now enjoining themselves to their husbands when it comes to the Word of faith or the Word of God that they have received. And so it becomes apparent not only for them, but also for you, that you are enjoining yourself to the same body. You are becoming one with the same Lord and the same Christ, By the word of truth that you have received. So, how many here would testify that they have never received a word from God? And if you want to testify of that, you really don't have anything to say because without that word that you have received, you have no testimony. And it becomes apparent that a lot of us are not recognizing what we have received from God when it comes to the power of His word. And so we ponder in our mind, we know we've received something. And we ponder in our mind, what have, what is this word, or what is it that I've really received from God that I know. And so then we begin to think about what we what we heard, or what we know we heard in that same in that word that we received. And so the reason for the fellowship, or the reason for the conversation in the Word of God, is so now it can be guided and directed by uh, those men raised up and women raised up by God. To develop those things in each and every one of us. Can you say amen to that? So uh, the thing that I want to make very apparent to all of you tonight is this. Is that you have received a word from the Lord. Every one of you have received a word from God. God's faithful to that. God's no respecter of person. You have all received a word from heaven. And that word that you have received is what God is. He put it there so you could now grow into the prophecy that God set forth in you becoming a son. Because how can you grow into sonship if you don't understand the word from heaven that you have received? Right, John? Can you do it? Do you believe you received a word from God, John? Okay. Because it wasn't too long ago when I was talking to you, you couldn't discern whether you'd received one or not. But the answer to the, to the question is, yes, I have received a word from heaven, right? You have received a word from heaven, and I want you to be faithful in that word that you have received, because in the faithfulness of that word, all of a sudden, there's decisions that need to be made in us, in each and every one of us. I'm not singling out John by any means here. So in my conversation with John, my conversations with John recently is, John goes, one thing I know, I'm going to continue in the fellowship. I'm going to continue to tithe. I'm going to continue to give my offerings. I'm going to continue to follow the word that the elder sets forth. Good or bad, I say that the word of God is working then to ascribe through the prophecy sonship to John. And it becomes the same to each and every one of us. So we don't want to get lost in ourselves when it comes to that word that we have received from heaven. Because we can turn with me to uh, Colossians chapter two. And I'm going to I started here last week, but I'm I want to finish some things up in it for you tonight. As you have therefore received Christ. The Lord, so walk you in him. This is why it becomes essential that you all begin to understand the word that you have received from the Father. Because the word that you have received, you're going to continue in. Are you not? That's how you're going to learn to walk. So even if I take up the Bible and I go back and I begin to read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels. what are Where did the four Gospels come from? Is it the uh, the story of Jesus that Matthew, Mark, and Luke, jo- and John made up? Or is it the remembrance that God's put in them when they received the Holy Ghost? Which is it? It's the remembrance of who Jesus is by the Holy Ghost. And they begin to write it. They begin to author it in their minds and in their heart. So that they could continue in that word that they had received. And grow into it. Amen. So it's the same for you. If I if I memorized all four Gospels. What good would it do me? Apparently we know that memorization does very little to the saving of the soul. But one thing that can happen with being in the Word to the point where you memorize it, now you are very familiar with what it says. So then when the preaching of the Word of God comes, the anointed preaching of the Word of God comes to you, all of a sudden, when that anointing comes to that Word that you have received in your mind and in your heart, BAM! All of a sudden you know. I've heard that before I, I've heard that word of God before that word is not strange to me that word is known to me that word is describing something in me. it's making itself known in who I am yes well we could call it a quickening John but I, I wanted to let's remove our mind from the quickening. And let's get to the place where we know that that word, if it's quickened or anointed, that it's ascribing in the mind who we are in Jesus Christ. We want to get beyond the place where we're just recognizing a quickening as being quickened by the Word of God. Because we have all been quickened, quickened in the preaching by the Word of God. Every one of us. And it, it causes us to think differently or think about Jesus differently. Correct? But how about coming, bringing it to the place that it was given? that when it's quickened, you begin to allow that same word that was quickened to ascribe unto you who you are in Jesus Christ. That's why it's given. Because now in the revelation of Jesus Christ, you're beginning to understand who you are in Him. That's why the word becomes quickened or anointed by the mouth of the preacher. is so it begins to tell you or ascribe in your heart who you are, and be, or who Jesus is, however, we, however you want to hear it or say it. I think they're the same. Amen? Because it's only through the revelation of the, the mystery that your mind is awakened to who you are in Him and not who you are when you look in the mirror here. Because when you look in the mirror here, you're looking at someone that God doesn't recognize. Everybody with me in that? But in that person, in you, is that word that God said. That word that comes alive by the anointing of the Holy Ghost. It's quickened alive. And when it's made alive, then those dry bones become alive. And that's why God sent it. Bring it to a resurrection to where those dry bones are made alive. And you become alive by the power of the Holy Ghost. In the life of the Spirit, you now know. Let me go on. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. And and I, I got to divert for just a second again, because when we receive the word, do we not yet recognize that it is Jesus Christ, the Lord? I spoke this to you on Sunday, I believe it was. So just like Peter, Jesus asked Peter, do you who do men say that I am? Well, some say that you're Isaiah, some say you're this, some say you're that. And then Jesus goes, No, Peter, who do you say that I am? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Okay, who told you that, Peter? And he said, And he told him, My Father in heaven told you that. You received that from the Father. So if you receive it from the Father, is it a truth? It's a truth, it's it's known, it's fact. Thou art the Christ. So even before Peter had the Holy Ghost, did he have a revelation, a word from the Father of who Jesus is? He did, and so do you. So that when the word, the anointing, moves upon that word that God said in your heart, man, what did Peter do on the day of Pentecost? Did that man Peter, did he stand up and preach... A sermon that the world had never heard. Man, he preached it. In other words, whatever Jesus said what happened in their minds when they received the Holy Ghost. Was it true? Did they now have the evidence or the witness that what Jesus told them was true? They did. Isn't that what you're looking for in your life today? That the evidence of what everything that you've been taught, you've been taught a mountain of information. The problem is, you received it as a mountain of information and not as Jesus Christ the Lord. Because all of it was set in order for one purpose, and that is to reveal Jesus Christ in you, your hope and your glory. not that awesome? Thus, in chapter 1, it deals with the revelation of the mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let me go on. Rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. So now, all of a sudden, he's bringing up this word faith again, right? How essential, then, is faith to Jesus Christ? How essential? How essential? Can you have Jesus and not have faith, or can you have faith and not have Jesus? No, you cannot. They're the same. In other words, the establishing of the truth comes from faith in Jesus Christ. And yet, we will in our minds, and Jen alluded to it earlier, a lot of times in our minds, the connection between Jesus Christ the Lord and faith from heaven are disconnected. And so we think, oh, did I receive a word from God or was it was it my own word? Well, let's try it and find out. When Abraham received faith, did he become was he tried of God? How did God try him? He put the word that he gave him to the test. He tested the word of God. Do you know that that's the part we're afraid of? don't you don't need to be afraid if you have faith do you need to fear and the answer to that is no so did Abraham fear God or did Abraham walk by faith well the scripture says that he walked by faith same for you that's the let's look at the appearance of things then if I show up dutifully show up for church on Sunday if I forsake not the gathering myself together we we're talking about this my folks stopped by tonight to give me my birthday present as if I needed one, you know, but very thankful for them. Love them dearly. And we told them that because it, it seems like every time we converse with them, we're either online or having church. So tonight we told them, well, Monday nights were online Tuesday every other Tuesday is elders meeting Wednesday night is our Bible study night at the conference center Thursday night. We're online with the deacons. Friday's a break and Saturday's a break, and then Sunday we're on again. And they just look at you like, "Well, that's insane." It's like it shakes their world. How could, how how could you how could you be that committed to something? the The, the interesting part about it is is that I learned how to. This is the part that my folks don't remember, is that I learned how to be committed to the Lord by watching my parents be committed to the Lord. Now their commitment was different than what we commit to today, but the commitment part of it was the same. Cuz they committed their lives to Jesus Christ. And so when I was a kid, you went to church twice on Sunday, morning and evening. Is that right, Connie? Yeah. Then we have Sunday night and then we had choir practice or something or youth group or something. And then Wednesday night was uh Something too, youth group or something. Anyway, so, I mean, those times were always important to my parents. And if I, as long as I lived in their house, they were important to me. I didn't have the choice in it. I had to do it. But that's OK. That was part of being a dutiful child. Right. Obey your parents as in the Lord. Things will go well for you if you do. When you don't obey your parents in the Lord, things don't go well. And I can testify to that as well. So you might as well obey your parents as in the Lord and, and have a good life. So, um, it's important that we understand that we have been granted opportunity to uh, gather ourselves together to hear the Word of God and to put our mind in a reference, in a place of reference where we hear it as the authoritative Word of God from heaven. It is an imparting of the Heavenly Father from the throne of God imparting unto you sonship through Jesus Christ. So everything that he gave Jesus, he's also giving unto you. It's your inheritance. He's not holding back anything from his children. Everything that he has set asunder, everything that he has garnered for the raising up of the son, he is now putting it in your hand to guide you and to form you. Because in the end of it, in the finishing of it, who do you become? You become him. You become him. And so, do you think that, I know as a father, the last thing that I could accept in myself is that I let my children fail. Right? That that would be a hard thing to accept. But listen. Listen the structure that God hath given to us to learn Him cannot fail. That's why it's called the truth. That's why it's called sure, steadfast. Jen talked about it tonight in the book of Galatians. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty. Correct? What's the liberty? It's knowing the structure of God. If you know God, now you're free. So Paul would say it this way I am the Lord's free man. I'm a bond servant to Jesus Christ, but I am the Lord's free man. Because knowing what I what God hath given me, what God has imparted unto me to know, to operate in, and to function in as a son, have made me free. What did it make me free from? How about the law of sin and death? So where I no longer am a a servant of bondage i'm not i don't no longer serve life in the flesh i'm not in bondage to the flesh i am excuse me i am now free free to serve jesus christ by the power of the spirit that's awesome isn't it let me go on rooted and built up in him established in the faith as you have been taught Abounding therein at Thanksgiving, how many are thankful? You know, I received a whole bunch of birthday wishes yesterday, and, uh, which you're always thankful for. And so I, I sent them all back a message, and in the message I said, I hope that all of you are as happy as I am in the things that concern the most beneficial things of life, faith, family, and friends. Number one being what, though? What I believe. And I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. You know, it's amazing that after, after Nate passed away and God delivered me from the sorrows of, of, of that, the thing that God put in me in strength was the opportunity to testify when people would ask, to testify of knowing the power of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. Because in knowing the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you can overcome all things pertaining to the flesh. And when you it's interesting and I would I watch people's reactions when I testify of of the power of the resurrection to them. I watch their reaction and and most of them will say Well, one thing for sure, Dave, one thing that we have seen in you is that you are a faithful man and that you're very strong in that possession. I didn't say it for them to say that. But the seed was planted in them to where they themselves also, that word that God had hid in their hearts, that word that God has placed in them will also, when it hears the anointed word of God, will be quickened and they will begin to ponder in their minds that resurrection and the hope that's in it to all men. Amen? Because it's alive and it's real. How do you think that Ezekiel, in the book of Ezekiel, that when Ezekiel prophesied to the valley of dry bones, what made them alive? It was the power of the resurrection. It was the anointed word of God by the Holy Ghost. Wow. What's making you alive every time you in breathe the word of God? And the and those, and the times of refreshing come and anoint your mind with that same word by the Holy Ghost. What takes place in you? Aren't you made alive? Don't you know? Don't you recognize in yourself that life has come? Life is no longer mortal. But life is put on immortality. Life has been raised from the dead and quickened unto life eternal. Man. Now all of a sudden, when I go back and I begin to keep the sayings of Jesus, those portions that have been given unto me in strength and power, that's what makes the keeping of the sayings of Jesus alive. It changes them. They're no longer just knowledge. Now they're the way of life. Now they are eternal life, working in the mind by the anointed word of God. Beware. I love it when the bewares come. Because now the mind uh, is being, uh, there's a, a, a sounding of an alarm going off in the mind. Beware. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. You know, it's the world's opportunity to rob Christ from you. If you get fixated on the things of the world, will it take you out? I'm telling you, quickly. Quickly. I uh, I financially support a... a uh, uh, college in Michigan um, because it's I, I believe in what they teach. It's Hillsdale College in in Michigan, and I think their mission is right when it comes to America. Might not be right when it comes to Jesus Christ, but it's right when it comes to America, and they do stand on the Word of God at that college, and. But I was, I was listening to uh, some teaching points um, because I, they send me these online courses and I will spend some time, I pick and choose which ones I want to listen to and I'll go on and listen to the conversation. And uh, so I was listening to this conversation between these two men and both of them have their doctoral degrees in philosophy. Here's something that I want to make you fully aware of even when you're as as educated as these two men are, and you have understanding, great understanding of many things, you cannot mix the doctrines of Christ with the philosophies of men. It becomes a mixed language. And if you want to read about that, you go back and read those books in the Old Testament. Ezra and Nehemiah, you go back and where they rebuild the the, uh, temple of God. They're rebuilding the house of God. And the first thing that God had them do was to get rid of the mixed marriages and the mixed doctrines that would cause them to fail. You cannot mix the pure word of God from heaven with the ideologies, theologies, and philosophies of men, and have the same message. You can't do it. It's not possible. I've heard men all my life try to speak a mixed doctrine or a mixed ideology when it comes to the sayings of men and the sayings of Christ, and they do not work. Because the sayings of Jesus are given for one specific purpose and that purpose is to raise you up into a son of God where you know who your father is and you know what your father says because you have become who he is and what he says in your mind. Your mind is the same with God. You're one with God in that mind and in that judgment. And a mixed mind. In fact, doesn't the book of James talks specifically about a double-minded man is unstable and in all of his ways. And believe me, we have seen the testimony of unstableness in our generations and what it produces, and it is not good. So he says, beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Do you know how those things speak in you? We all testify about how religion ruined us. But how specific have you, have you allowed the word that you have received from heaven get to the place where it begins to identify how that world speaks, how that religious world speaks in your thoughts to disannul and, and disinherit what God has said. Because it says it. And that word that God hath put in you, that's anointed to raise you up as a son, it's looking. It's searching your heart for those things that have kept you in bondage, those things that are keeping you from becoming, and it's destroying them. It's overcoming them so that you can put on Christ and walk in it. That's awesome. For in Him... In Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him. Do you believe that tonight? That in Jesus Christ you're complete? You're finished? You know, in John 17, Jesus said, I have have finished the work that thou gavest me to do. I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work. That's awesome. For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Christ, which is the head of all principality and power. So how can the things of earth, how can the things of this world have power over you if you are putting on the mind of Christ? It just said that He is the head of all principality and power. No principality and no power can can rule over you If you have put on Christ in whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in the putting off of the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So when you entered in, when you enter into the word of God and you believe it and that that baptism takes place, what does it do? Doesn't the Bible say in, in Hebrews 4 and 12 that the word of God is sharper than any two edged sword rightly dividing? So now in in circumcision, what's taking place? Isn't there a cutting away of the old man so that you can become the new man? That's what's taking place. So the thoughts that are keeping you from becoming the Son of God are being cut away, if we believe. Buried with Him in baptism, where also you are risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God. So, is God faithful? I hope you all believe that, that God is faithful. And through the faith of that operation, God being the chief surgeon, right? Because God's making cutting covenant with you. He's making that covenant with you. He's cutting away the old man. God knows what he's doing. Who hath raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has he quickened together with him with Jesus having forgiven you all trespasses. So how many sins do you have today? How many sins, John? None. Amen. It's just time to believe that, isn't it? It's time to believe that Jesus Jesus took away all sin. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, And took it out of the way and nailed it to his cross. Having spoiled principalities. Now listen to this. Having spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly. Triumphing over them in it. So when he went to the cross. And took your sins to the cross with himself. And when he was raised from the dead. Did he not triumphant? Was he not triumphant? over every, every aspect of life that could keep you from becoming who God has said you are. He did. That Word of God that has been hidden in your heart, God has now sent Jesus Christ to make it manifest by the Holy Ghost. So on the day of Pentecost, when those people, those 120 folks that were in that upper room, when they heard the sound of a rushing mighty wind and the tongues of God began to enlighten their minds by that anointed word of God that God had put in their hearts. And they began to see and hear the wonderful works of God. God making manifest Every word that he has said, making it known that it was true. Giving them witness of the truth. That they themselves could now testify of Jesus Christ by the truth that had made them free. Powerful. And you are the same today. God hath given you that word. God hath given you that promise of the Holy Ghost that if you would believe that word and that you would follow the sayings of Jesus Christ, you also shall receive the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen tonight? Amen. It is true. It is true. It is true. We just got to start believing it and walk in it. As we have received it, so let us walk in it. Can we say amen to that tonight? Can we agree? that it's time to begin to walk in the things that we have been given freely by the Holy Ghost. Amen.